This is the Confident Collective Podcast with your hosts, Christina Zias and Rayanne Langis, two plus-size models and body activists here to get real and candid about living your most confident life. Get ready for powerful conversations that will leave you laughing, motivated, and inspired. <laughs> oh my gosh guys this is the first time ray and i are doing a podcast where we're not sitting next to each other ray i know i'm so sad left me and the i was gonna say the sunshine state but i'm pretty sure that's florida um, <laughs> <laughs> the go- wait isn't california the golden state or something that i don't even know makes more sense um to go back to denver <laughs> how is it you know, it is, it's a good, it's like, so obvious, as you know, I live alone in LA, which I do love, but it's nice to just be around my parents. And I'm telling you, I am living like a queen. My dad has made me every single meal since I've been here. I'm like, oh my God, I should have come back here sooner. Okay. Um, and I get to be with Angus, my love of my life, my dog. Um, so it's been, it's been, it's been great. You know, it's definitely, um, uh, the cold weather, I qu- very quickly adjusted to LA weather. I know I've only been there for three years, but wow. Um, everyone in LA should be very thankful that they're in the sunshine state. Well, I guess now not the sunshine state. We're calling it that from now on. Um, <laughs> I need a fact checker on this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I know, but I miss you. Um, but yeah, it'll be good. Temporary. I'll be back soon before Wait. we know it. For real, have you seen that video back home baller from SNL with Cameron Diaz? Yes, that is me. That is literally my favorite video of all time because (laughs) that is how I feel every single time I go back to New Jersey. And it's just like so accurate. Well, your mom is next level. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) She's like literally next level. It's amazing. No, but I'm so happy for you that you get to be with your family. Um, What's going on with your swipes in denver how's menver is it have you met any guys have you been chatting with anyone let me tell you let me hear it girl (laughs) (laughs) i woke up the other morning and you know you get like well maybe you don't know because you're happily married but on the apps you get like a notification and i woke up and it was like open bumble 147 people want to meet you what Wait, usually in LA, it'll be like like in LA, like four people want to meet you. So I'm, I'm overwhelmed in a good way. Killing it in Denver. I I don't know what's happening, but I mean, I will say there are more men here in Denver. So there's more, I think, like kind of like not like I'm swiping left a lot more. You know, there's more Uh, to shift through. Yes, you can be pickier in in Denver. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. You know, the pandemic has cramped my style a little bit, but maybe I'll get some phone dates set up. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I am actively swiping. I'm like sitting on the couch and my mom and dad are like, what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> like, don't, it doesn't matter. I'm like, my mom's like, I could drop you off on a date. Um, oh my God. She's like, you could, because she was like, why don't you go on a coffee date? I'm like, well, mom, I like to have a drink before I go because I get nervous. I just say like a drink or two or three. Your mom would be two. like, have some bellies. <laughs> my mom's like okay well you could pregame here and then i could drop you off i'm like wow thank you so much mom (laughs) that's so funny Uh, but i'll keep you posted nothing exciting to report yet but um how is everything there how is like 
we are in crunch time. Everything is good. I mean, at this point, um, we can be having a baby any day now, which is pretty wild. Um, wild. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm just, it's so funny because every single time I'm like, doing a bunch of different things i'm like oh my gosh you need to like actually like slow down and relax like you are allowed to sit on the couch and just watch netflix and then i sit on the couch and watch netflix for like maybe 10 minutes and i'm like you gotta be doing something and i i'm finding it very very difficult for me to rest like do you know what account you need to follow what the nap ministry (laughs) what no i'm not kidding you wait i gotta make sure that that's the right thing i am telling you because you are literally a workaholic and you need to follow this Instagram account. Everyone. Yeah. It's called the nap ministry. Okay. And it's all about the, okay. We examine the liberating power of naps. We believe rest (laughs) is a form of resistance and reparations. Okay. Christina. So you need to show something out. I need to, I really do. And take a fucking nap. Okay. It's so funny because in, um, like when I found out I was pregnant, I was trying to think about like, am I going to take a maternity leave or, you know, and I was telling, I have a, ma- a business manager that helps me with my campaigns and collaborations. Right. And I was telling her like in the month of December, like I really don't want to take that much on. Like I need to like slow down. Like I'm about to have a newborn. I have no idea what life is going to be like. But then at the same time, I'm like, Hey, what's going on with this? Like what's going on with this? Like, I think we need to do more for December. And it's like, I contradict myself so much. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe hopefully I'll follow the nap ministry and <laughs> find a new sense of peace. But we'll see. Honestly, things are good. We're excited. Guys, stay tuned. Baby is on the freaking way. He's on the move. He's oh, my gosh. Move. We'll just have to. I think I, I do think that maybe when he's here, you're going to be like forced to, to slow down, which will be good for you. Yeah. We'll um, or we're just going to have to have Steve like hide your phone. Yes. Or we're just have to Steve change all the diapers. So I, I'm maybe like, Steve, I'm working. You have to do this. <laughs> no, Steve, honestly, that is one thing. I can't even tell you guys how excited I am to see Steve as a dad. Because just like the way I... <laughs> I'll go to like the room and I'll like brush my teeth and wash my face and I come out and the way I see how he's tucked Dewey into his bed, it is just like melts my heart every single time. Like this baby is going to make him full on mush. It's going to be so cute. I can't wait. Do you you think you're just going to be like, oh my God, I'm married to the sexiest man with this baby? I mean, I guess it just depends on like how much... How how annoying everything is or many diapers. But yeah, I honestly could see myself like falling way more in love with my husband. Um yeah, just because I think he is just such a caring and loving person that I just know that he will love on us so hard. You know, it's gonna be sweet. We'll see what happens. So Oh my gosh, there's nothing nothing like a guy with a with a baby man. Yeah. Isn't there like a movie like the three men and the infant? Isn't it like baby? Wait, I don't even know. It's very old. Baby mama. I don't know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, there's like a lot of things I'm messing up. The pregnancy brain, I guess, is real, huh? Um, yeah i guess i'll just blame it on i'm just gonna say i'm sympathy have sympathy pregnancy symptoms with you that's Um, fine cool that's fine that's fine i will support that Uh, (laughs) you guys today we have such a special guest on the podcast um and her name is ariel astoria do you (laughs) 
<laughs> do you want me to do the intro? I'm going to do the intro. Christina is... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Oh, you're we're cutting this really shit out, by the way, okay? No, I think we need to leave it in because you were just <laughs> talking about your pregnancy brain and how you're struggling. See, you need to slow down. Okay. I'm sorry. I got you, girl. Okay. <laughs> okay, guys. Today, we have Ariel Astoria on. She is a poet, author, and speaker. She has um, done talks for Google, TED Talks, Lululemon, and she was featured in the Skims campaign with Kim Kardashian. She has also released an EP of poetry and music that can be found on Spotify iTunes and Apple Music. Ariel is truly just a ray of sunshine and she shares her light everywhere she goes. And we are so thankful to have her on today. We are talking about how she has really been forged her own path in life in basically every single way when it comes to her career, her body, everything. And she has a way with words that I have never experienced. I'm one of those people where I'm like, just very basic, I think, with words. And she has a way that literally touches your heart, touches your soul. And that is all that she's about. And um, this is going to be a very feely episode. When she say, Christina, get you in the feels. Absolutely. And she also shares a lot of tangible tips when it comes to like things that you could do to helping yourself along your confidence journey, along your career journey. Um, she's also extremely vulnerable and shares her experience and her relationship with her family. Um, so I think that just overall, you guys are going to find so much value in this episode. And I hope that you are listening it to somewhere you can really pay attention because I think that you'll really love it. You might cry. So let's, let's just get this thing started. (laughs) I tried tried not crying during the episode, but I honestly, I got like a little teary at one point. Me too. And I had goosebumps. I had so many freaking goosebumps. Mm. Okay. And I was trying to look at you. I was like, do you have goosebumps? I was trying not to look at you. I was like, I'm going to get emotional. Oh my gosh. Okay. You guys, I hope you love this episode. Um, Don't forget to join the conversation with us afterwards on our Facebook group and leave us a five-star rating and review. We would appreciate it so much. Let's do it. Let's do it. Today, we have Ariel Astoria here with us. And we are so excited to chat to you. As Christina said, she logged on and it was like a ray of sunshine entering our little video chat. You are seriously a walk of sunshine. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, Of course. Well, to get started... Well, some of our audience might already know you because you did an incredible Instagram takeover for us like months ago now. Was, I don't know where time has gone. So good. Right. It, was, it was so good. I literally you. cried watching it. Yeah. If you haven't watched it, it's saved as a highlight on our Instagram page. But for those of our audience that don't know you, can you give us like a quick intro and like a little background on yourself? Yeah. So um, like they said, my name is Arielle Astoria. I am a poet, a speaker, an author, and sometimes model, social media storyteller as well. Um, yeah, but the core of who I am as an artist, my motto is words not for the ears, but for the soul. And I try to funnel that in all of my work, no matter what it is, pictures or words or on stage or off stage or Instagram lives. <laughs> You really are such a beautiful storyteller. Did you always know that's kind of the journey you wanted to take? 
kind of like as a kid I was like oh I want to be a I want to be an actress and then I was like oh I want to be a teacher and then I like really wanted to be a barista for like that was like a hardcore dream which happened so that was exciting I guess but like that was like things I wanted to do but as a kid I always like pretended I would like make up songs I would like have different personas that I would become like when people came over and so I think that was always a part of me but it wasn't something that I was like I'm gonna set out to make this a career um and then I got more into acting in high school and I loved it um, and so I was like okay I could kind of see a paradigm of both of these and then when I got to college you like practical up a little bit more and then I studied psych and theater because I was like oh art therapy like let me have a little practical and also like more storyteller life and then eventually like throughout college it was like no I can't be an actor that's not real life and then I just kept going with my psych career but I've always loved storytelling um I've always loved being on stage or either speaking through myself or speaking through the character of someone else um and I loved those things, but I never really until like graduated and was like, what do I do now? Was like, maybe I try this, you know, like, and so it's been like six years of like trying it. <laughs> no, I, I love that because it's so funny. People always are like, oh, this kind of just happened overnight. You know what I mean? But you're like, mm-hmm. no, this has been quite a journey. So like mm-hmm. one, how did you get the confidence to kind of pursue a less than conventional career, which we all kind of are doing, right? And I feel like, yeah. did, is it something that your family encouraged? Is it something that you were super excited to share with everyone? Or is it kind of like, oh, I'm actually like hustling, working six jobs, but I, <laughs> I'm doing this on the side too. It was like such a mix of all of it. So my parents were very supportive. Like they, my mom is the one who helped me get into the arts high school because you had to like audition and everything. And so she's the one who like went with me to transition and really funneled that part of me. Um, all of my siblings, for the most part, we all have like artistic things to us. And our parents really like gave space for those things to exist. Um, we also grew up with a not so practical sense. Like our my parents are in ministry. So we never really had like, this is how to be a doctor. Or like, this is how to, it was always like, you pursue the things you feel called to do. Um, and so we kind of always had that at the back of our heads. And so one of my sister went to school for fashion design and marketing and is now like still doing a little bit of that, but mostly has fallen into like my parents' footsteps of like volunteer and being in like ministry-based spaces. Um, but we've all kind of branched out in our own way. And so for, for me, it was always like, you're supported, you know, um, until it was like, I went to my university, had a whole degree planned out, like had a whole plan. And I still did like theater and performing. And I just thought this is extracurricular, right? Like these are things you just do in college. But the more I got into school the less I felt connected to what I was learning and the more I felt connected to these extracurricular things you know in quotations and so as I got closer to graduating I I I done the career you know like I had all these different things lined up I could work at a university for four years and be perfectly fine working in student life but I got closer and I was like maybe I should just try to like be a creative you know and that turned into like like you said six jobs um my first like three years um I think 
this is like the first full year where I've only had like social media and like something else. Um, so it's been like a long time coming and it has not always been glamorous. Like I think highly of the times where I like didn't have gas to put in my car and had to call my parents and push my car to the gas station, you know, because I'm the oldest and I'm stubborn. So I didn't like asking for help. Um, and so it was like a struggle. Um, I've been in this apartment for about a year now and um, before that I lived with a family and their four kids because it was a room and it was super cheap you know so you make sacrifices um, for the things you feel um purposed or called or connected to um and that was what ultimately I had to do and I had to realize okay this is not me just trying this creative thing like this is what I was put on this earth to do and it may not make sense all the time you may feel crazy a lot of times you may be like why am I working for jobs just to sustain this one thing that I feel really excited about but it's it's worth it it definitely is worth it I thank you for sharing that because I think it's sometimes so easy to see people and be like oh my gosh they just like are you know doing this full time and like we don't talk about like when I first moved to LA I was working at a cycling studio and nannying while trying to do it and I was like ashamed to say like those other jobs because I felt like it wasn't like what I don't know. It was so stupid all in my own head. But what would you say to someone who's like really trying to pursue this, but you know, they're at that cycling studio job or they're, you know, living with that family and they're, they're like getting down and maybe having those doubts. Like how did you push through that? And like, what, what was that like for you? Oh my gosh. I felt, like I said, I felt crazy all the time, you know, and there was like one pivotal moment where I was, I was a teaching artist. So when I graduated, that was like the bulk of my jobs was being a teaching artist, either for poetry or for theater. So that was like still me trying to be practical within the creative sense of like, okay, this job is still doing the art thing, but it pays, it's consistent. I'm a left and a right brain creative. So I still like structure. Like I still like being told like okay this is your time frame to do things or here are your things to do and then having the freedom to do it how I will and so I was a teaching artist for like about four four years I just finished like about a year ago um and just because it was like I need to make room for all these other things I'm really excited about um but don't have space for because I'm I'm having these queer-based things instead you know but I also need these things to sustain myself and so I nannied I worked at a clothing system searching company I worked at a hot yoga studio and I did that mostly because studio classes are expensive so if I could do a few hours a week and get free yoga for a month then I'm absolutely gonna do that so I worked there super part-time up until the pandemic just because I loved them I'd been there for like four years um and it was free yoga so yes absolutely um and so I think the shame towards like um, the hustle, it just is contradictory towards like where we're going. Um, it's also assuming um, that these things that we're creating can hold us automatically. And I feel like the quote, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. It doesn't make sense for us, these things that we're still building towards and these careers that we're still trying to add on to um, would just instantly start working. Like, I think that's more of an LA mindset than anything else. It's just like, we came here for the dream. So where's the dream? You know, it's like, God, and your dream's like oh great we're free you know like come get me um and so I think yeah I mean 
you have to have a mix of both because the freelance world is so unpredictable. You will have great months and you will have low months and you will have to figure out how to subsidize your income in other ways. And so I just started looking at all these different streams of like income basically as the net that holds the thing I'm passionate about. Right. And the net that holds and springboards all the things I'd like to do, you know, as an artist. So me working at a yoga studio was also me funneling, creating my merch, you know, being able to pay my photographers. And so finding those streams of income, there's nothing wrong with that. We need them. Um, because sometimes the freelance world doesn't always hold those provisions for us. I think that's so important. And I think that what people forget is you might like hustle, right? For like six, seven years to like get your brain started and going. But once it starts, the hustle really just begins then too. Exactly. (laughs) You have to always be willing to learn and to pivot and to grow Mm -hmm. and to honestly like work so fearlessly hard to, especially if it's like something that, is a creative job with no exact structure, right? Because right now all of us are building careers off of social media, but social media is constantly changing. So you have to be able to yeah. fit with it too. Um, so mm-hmm. I just think that those lessons that you kind of lo- learn along the way are just so imperative. But I know yeah. you, you kind of mentioned that you had kind of a pivotal moment that you were like, okay, I could do this, right? Like what was like, yeah. the first job that you got or that first opportunity that you're like, it's freaking happening. You called your family and you're like, yeah, I'm making it. <laughs> well, I think the first pivotal moment was like, shoot, I don't know if I can make this, you know, like I was working as a teaching artist. Um, I wasn't getting a whole bunch of gigs. So I like went and was an extra for like a TV show audience for like six hours that paid maybe a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And so I fill that paperwork out and they're like, you'll get it in a few days. And I'm like, it was literally a hundred dollars. Like, why do we not get that now? And then I get in the car and I get an email from my teaching artist job that um, they have been late being paid so they will be late paying us and that was like my rent that was bills that was everything for me at the moment so I'm sitting in the car dressed up because I was an extra and I'm just sobbing you know and I have to call my parents because my rent is due and I need help you know and my dad is like what what are you doing he was like you have a career you're so bright you're so intelligent like why are you like why are you doing this to yourself almost and I was like I don't know I just know that I'm supposed to like I don't know what I'm working towards but I'm working towards something and then that was like a huge pivot because that next year I just I did pick up quite a bit you know within that next year um I had most of my opportunities with Lululemon um that began there um I I met my my husband or my now husband that next year um I have booked my um Kim Kardashian thing a, a year later so it was just like it kept going. I just didn't know what I was looking for. You know, like I didn't know what it was. And I still don't think I've ever reached a point where I'm like, I made it. I'm here. I'm always like, that was cool. That was exciting. You know, like, is there more, if not, I'm cool. You know, like I think the things I've been able to accomplish completely, not because I necessarily pursued those specific things, but just because I pursued what I thought I was supposed to be doing, you know, and what I felt connected and cold to. And so um, I would say like being part of Skims was like a peak, but then it also now I'm at a point where I'm working and I'm onboarded as a Lululemon investor and that feels like a peak. And so I really don't know what 
the peaks are. I think they're all peaks. Um, and if it, if there is no higher peak than the ones that I've experienced, then that is more than I asked for, you know, so I don't really know how to go up from there. Yeah. Yeah, you are absolutely killing it, guys. She was in Kim Kardashian's Skims campaign, and it was so beautiful. Like when she, we'll put a link to it in the show notes because every time I hear you speak, I like get goosebumps. It is crazy, but I love how you can just appreciate. Like you're like everything is a high. I think sometimes it's so easy to be like lose sight of what you've accomplished because you're always thinking about like what's next and I just love how you appreciate all of those peaks that you've had in your career and like take time to celebrate them because like uh yeah you work with Kim Kardashian you're a Lululemon ambassador like that's fucking incredible like holy crap let's like let that sink in for a minute (laughs) thank you yeah so yeah obviously you've like created this incredible brand. Like what is there like a why or like, what is the purpose? Like you said, you've kind of been just like a pioneer and a trailblazer completely making your own way. I don't see anyone doing exactly what you're doing. What's been like the purpose or like the core of your, your brand and your why? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, so Ariel is stories is my name. Astoria is my middle name. Um, and I used that just because I was like, this is cute on Instagram. Like it wasn't because I was like, I'm going to market myself as an influencer. It was literally just like, <laughs> I like my name. This feels good, you know? And so I put that there and a lot of my photos, like I haven't deleted anything on my Instagram. So if you scroll all the way back, you will see like, OG angsty Ariel with like weird buildings and like homes and things like that. And it's all there because I want I wanted to stay there like I want to see my own growth and like to look through how I've changed and how I've grown up and just the different things and my how my writing has grown and so when I set out to do that um I set out to just be on Instagram and then I became really close friends with mostly photographers about like college age and then they would ask me like hey I'm doing this campaign can you help me with it and I yeah sure I could I have throw popcorn in an alleyway and I know that's a cute picture. I'll post that, you know, and I just kind of was like that. And then my captions that were like in real time, um, or they were about where I was at. And so I think for me, the motto of words, not for the ears is kind of started there. Um, not for the ears, but for the soul. I was like, if I, especially as an artist, cause I mostly do poetry, like usually within, without the pandemic, I'm on stage, I'm memorizing poems and I'm performing them. And I wanted to just not be on stage and just have people experience that girl on stage I wanted them to feel something you know and I wanted them to feel deeply and I was like can I convey that in a photo you know or in social media and so when I did start growing I was like okay first of all this doesn't make any sense to me why are these people here I'm like I didn't you know I'm like I'm not exciting I don't know what you really want here and so I would gauge what I would post that people would respond to most and it was usually about my body journey you know it was usually about um, being single at the time it was usually about you know things that people felt connected to and I think social media is just a story thread we are individual living breathing stories and we have this ability to connect with these living breathing stories all over the world and we start following each other because there's something in us that's like my I connect to you or or there's something about you that inspires or encourages me um and I really wanted to speak to that I really wanted to be do you what I did on stage this safe space where people could feel deeply be seen and known and could I convey that 
through a phone, you know, like through a virtual grid of six to nine photos. And so um, that was really my brain. It's just like, I just, I just want people to feel seen and known. And if this space does that, then great. You know, I also love taking pictures. I've always loved taking pictures. Um, I'm an actor at heart. So I love being on stage until I don't, you know? And so <laughs> I like those spaces where we get to storytell in different ways. And so my brand, I know it's two women. Um, that's always been my priority is to speak to women, to remind them of their worthiness. And if men are sprinkled in there, that's dope. But like, you're not my priority, you know, like if it helps, cool. But like, I know my demographic is like 90% women. And so I know I'm who I'm speaking to and why I'm speaking to them. I think that's so important. I think that a lot of people when they're growing their social media platforms completely forget about the most important aspect of it. And that's the social human connection aspect. Mm -hmm. And they're just posting pretty photos and stuff like that. And are wondering like, why aren't they growing? Why aren't people reacting to this? And like, they literally forget that they're trying to convey a message to someone who's looking at them on the other side of the screen. So I love that Mm -hmm. you shared that. I know from when we first met, which was just like a little bit over a year ago, your platform has grown so much. I'm so happy to see Mm -hmm. that you're just Killing it, killing it, killing it. We love it. Um, What are some ways that you've seen your platform grow? And can you share any social media tips with our listeners? Yeah. Um, Well, I think the first, like the pivot ones for me, I grew the most from in-person events. Um, So if I did a so far, or if I did um, a show somewhere else or an open mic, I usually grew or conferences. I grew from those spaces the most. It's definitely a lot different um, when it, with it being mostly virtual, but even still, like I've still been a part of conferences and things like that. And usually it's like, okay, I'll know after that, you know, I grew because I went up like two to 300, you know, more. And so, events still are my biggest space of growing um but then collaborative efforts as well so being able to connect with other um to other brands or influencers or things like that like the shoot we got to do things like that are super helpful for your growth connecting with other people because i think the assumption is that we're like these lone islands these lone at instagram islands you know but it really has to connect to other people so tagging in stories um doing giveaways with other people um and 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 using hashtags that are going somewhere uh, not dead hashtags you know but hashtags that are connected to the brands to the blogs to the people that you're following that you feel connected to um and then yeah i think the biggest thing for me it's like that wave of um of follow a black girl honestly was like my biggest growth spurt um which was great um in its own way um and then i dropped quite a bit after talking about politics and then we went back up after talking about politics so it's really just like people are going to respond to you what they feel in that moment and we are probably the most uh disoriented and bipolar now than we ever have which is why you can't really tell engagement like to the T you can't really tell things like that to the T because we're just all over the place and so for me it's like I promise and vow not to post unless I absolutely want to I will skip however much I need to skip if I don't feel like I have something to say I'm not going to force myself to say it um and also just the permission to step back um because there is that overwhelming sense of like I have to I have to I have to and I'm like no I do not um so giving yourself that grace to um, have that space. It's, yeah. That's really interesting that you said that because I feel like sometimes I struggle with this myself, right? But 
do you feel like since you put so much thought into your posts and your feed is feels so real and authentic, but it is definitely beautiful and curated at the same time. Mm -hmm. Does that add more pressure? Um, no. So I'm an Enneagram four, if you're familiar with the Enneagram. No, and I need to do this. I okay. Need to, okay, Christina, so, I need to do this. We should have yes, an episode. <laughs> you do. So in a brief sense, so the Enneagram is a nine type uh, personality conversation. It's not a test. It's not an assessment. You ultimately can take tests to decide. But at the end of the day, you decide what you feel best represents who you are as a person. So I'm a type four, which is defined as the individualistic, hopeless romantics. They're also affectionately um, called the snowflakes. We like being different. We like being aesthetic. Aesthetic is not um, optional. It is how we live and how we exist in our lives. And so for me, it's like my feed looking the way it does is because I need it to look like that. And I don't really care if people like it. Great. But for me, it's like, I have it. I have to have it look a certain way. If it makes me flutter, like I will exit out of my planning app and then come back and be like, mm, nope. And I'll switch it and I'll leave and I'll come back. And I'm like, yes, there's like a feeling that happens, yes. you know, as a response to the photo or, and, and usually the captions will come before or after, but I don't usually like, Oh, see the photo. I'm like, I'm going to post this caption unless of course it's sponsored and things like that. Um, but like I said, I like content creating, you know, like as being the core of me being, an artist like I just like shooting I like creating concepts and things like that um and then the story behind it can come later you know um so like I just posted a poem about love you know and that was initially from an interview I did with Beholden about what love is with a partner but as I was rereading it and getting ready to post it literally in that moment I was like this doesn't feel like it has anything to do with John it feels like it has to do everything with me and how I've seen my body like love is silly you know love is expansive and I feel this more about myself than I do about my husband in this moment so that's what it's going to be about in this moment so I ended up finding a little video of like a bra set that I shot and I put that video in between and then put the quote again in a different style and that's what it became about in that moment and so I'm I'm, I'm a very much so a feeler. That's what um, Enneagram 4s are too. Like we can walk into a room and feel everything, you know? And so I used to do that with audiences where I would come into a room and I'm like, oh, I have to change my whole set. This is not what they need, you know? Like, or I would change poems like on stage because I'm like, the way that ends doesn't feel like it fits in this moment right now. And so I do apply the same thing to when I post on Instagram. I'm like, well, I have this drafted and scheduled and ready to go, but this caption doesn't feel right right now, you know? So I guess we're mm. changing it. Um, or just like feeling like, I feel, I think, you know, I, I don't know who needs to know this or who needs to hear this. We have like a lot of that running around. But for me, it's like, no, I know someone needs this. I don't know who or where they are, but I know it's someone. And so I'm going to post it. Either they're in my immediate feed or someone shares it and it's them. I don't know. But I feel like I'm supposed to post this right now for the sake of someone may need to hear this. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And you mentioned that, you know, you you are for women, you write these words, and you share these images for women. And a lot of your poems and words do kind of center around um, body and instilling kind of confidence in women. Can you talk to us a little bit about your body like journey and why that's like intertwined in so many things that you share and why that's important yeah. to you? 
Yeah. Well, I feel like when you ask, you know, like how, where do you get your confidence from? It's usually because we didn't have it at first, you know, like it's usually because it was a journey to, to obtain it. And so, I mean, up until like really, I mean, college, I never really fully knew how to be here. And by here, I mean like home and by home, I mean like my body, you know, I was always taller and thicker than all my friends. Um, like I used to say, I grew up in this pixie world because they were all like five two and super tiny and can shop at every convenience bitch. And I was just like, cool, cool, cool. I guess I'm going to be over here, you know, like with my um, football father hips and I'm just going to be like doing, doing what I do. And so I felt just so big um, and like, not just physically, but just like too much, you know, like I, so I was really insecure Um, growing up. I had like a best friend who would like speak for me if like I didn't want to approach someone or um, things like that. I wore like long camouflage skirts and like dude t-shirts from Target that said like out of my mind, be back later. <laughs> and I would like cut <laughs> the top of it because like there's no breathing room for the boobs. And so I just like hit, 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 hit. Um, and then I got to high school and I hid more, but then I transitioned to my arts high school and I was like, okay, there are other people here, you know, who look like me and everyone is different. And then I got to college and it was like a whole nother wave. Um, just like, who am I in this space? You know? And it really pivoted for me when I was like pursuing to be a resident advisor for a hall of freshman girls. And one of the trainings that we have to do is this backpacking trip in Yosemite for 10 days. Don't ask why. There is really no real reason for it. Um, so we have to do this like 10 day backpacking trip in the Yosemite. And I just culturally like backpacking and camping was just like not a thing that my black family ever did. So it was like, what am I doing here? What is this? What do you mean you're going to go backpacking? Like, what does that even mean? And, and so I really shut down and I was like, my body can't do that. Like that, that sounds way too intense. And so I trained and trained and trained all summer. Like I ran and I like worked out because I was just so afraid. Like I didn't do it to actually prepare my body. I did it out of anxiety that my body wasn't enough. Um, And then we get on the trip and it's my day to lead us on our trail. And um, we're hiking and I'm going and I hear in the back, one of my guides like, Ari, you have to slow down. I was like, what do you mean to slow down? Like, I'm not going fast. And I keep going. And he was like, no, Ari, seriously, like, you really have to slow down. And I was like, this moment where I was like, slow down. And I like, literally like looked at my body and I just held her. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I've only ever told you what you couldn't do and who you weren't. I never acknowledged what you were capable of and what you were. And you're strong. Like, and you're killing this trail right now. We've never done this, you know? So it was like this really beautiful moment. Um, And a lot of it was like, I'm telling these girls coming in their freshman year that they're beautiful and adequate and enough and valuable. And I had this voice that was like, you're a hypocrite because you don't believe those things for yourself. And so I really had this shift that mindset. If I'm going to preach this to other people, if I'm going to share it to other people that they're valuable, that they're worthy, that they're um, all these things, I have to start believing it for myself too. Otherwise I'm a liar and I will make a career off of being a liar. And that is not what I want to do. 
you. And so I really had to start speaking those things over myself and over my body. Um, and it's been a journey. I don't think there's ever an end point um, to the embracing of our bodies. Um, some days we will feel like a potato and sometimes we will feel like Beyonce and both are necessary, you know, like we just have to embrace both. And so um, it's definitely been a journey. And then you start dating someone seriously on like, yes, everything all over again. And I'm like, I don't even know my body at all. You know? And so it's like so many different phases, but um, I definitely am at a place where I understand and I see my body now more than I have, you know, in my 29 years of life. No, that was so beautiful. And I, I love, thank you so much for sharing that story. I know you, you mentioned something, which I feel like I'm going to want to use. Um, because sometimes you do feel like a potato and sometimes you do feel like Beyonce um, yes. on those days where you're looking in the mirror or you feel like that potato, which like, really, like <laughs> potatoes are fabulous, by the way, they're like one of the best. <laughs> yes. uh, you can have them so many different so ways. Versatile. So, yes. Exactly. Um, but what do you do to kind of get out of that funk? Like what do you mm-hmm. do on those days to remind yourself of how fabulous you really are? Yeah. I try to adapt like a gratitude um, towards one part of my body, especially in those moments. I'm like, okay, overall, I don't, I'm not feeling so hot, you know, but like, but my skin is glowing right now, you know, like, right. or I really love the way my freckles are popping out today or, and finding like one thing um, to speak gratitude over, um, to speak kindness to. Um, and a lot of it is just like that daily kindness because we will look in the mirror and you're like, oh, but you're like, yeah, but you're breathing and you're alive and you still have an intact body. You still have things that work and that flow and you still have things that support you and ground you. Your heart is still beating. There's still blood pumping through your veins. That is beautiful and that is a miracle in itself. And so for me, it's like every day just finding like those gratitude moments like even last night um I was like super bloated for some reason I don't even know why and I'm like looking at my stomach I'm like what is the point of strength training right now we're just gonna have bloated stomachs you know and I just like oh whatever knocked off and this morning I like woke up and I like went for a walk and I stretched and I was like oh my gosh but look at this body and like what it's capable of doing like I'm flexible I can move around like these are things to be thankful for and so finding those moments where you're like mm, I feel like a potato you know and that's fine but that is ultimately not what's deciding um the extent of your value or worth it's just a moment in which you don't feel so great and that's okay totally okay wait can I ask you though what about on those moments or those days where you feel like Beyonce because I think that yes. we need to celebrate those moments too <laughs> yes. so what what are some things that you do when you're like shit I look freaking banging I feel banging <laughs> are you walking down Trader Joe's aisles in heels with like a fan like what are you doing because like, those moments well, it's really you need to like, acknowledge knowledge and celebrate everything. I agree. It's kind of like how when I cook um, and I like do something good, like you will hear me in the kitchen and my husband's like, oh, there she goes. She's talking to herself. <laughs> because I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, girl. Okay, that's what we're doing. That's what's happening right now. And I'm literally just like throwing oregano. <laughs> but I think the same is for like those days where you're like, I was trying on a dress yesterday and it definitely doesn't fit. I was like, I'm going to alter it. I'm going to do all these things and I said no I'm not I'm gonna give the dress away because it doesn't fit you know and I I, like that was my my balancing moment but when I did put it on I was like yeah babe but look how great my boobs look you know because it was like these are this is a moment to take in right now you know and so finding those things where it's 
like, wow, I really, you did this makeup, girl. You did it. And just acknowledging, like, we're so quick to speak that over our friends, to speak that over strangers on the internet, like, speak the same thing over yourself. And so it's like, your eyeshadow, it's popping. Your hair is glowing. Your freckles are stunning. And your dimple is just, I mean, can you stop? Like, just speaking (laughs) those things over yourself. I think it's really important. And I do. I definitely, I definitely, I talk to myself a lot. You need to be your own hype girl like every (laughs) single day. You really do. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I need like a recording of you being like, yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) Just to like play on those days where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of feeling potato-y today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Do you think... I love it. Do you think there's a difference between... um, like I, I've seen like a shift kind of in the messaging on in kind of this world between self-love, self-acceptance, body mm-hmm. positivity. Do you think there's like a difference in those things? Do you yeah. hold like weight in those terms? Like what, yeah. what do those things look like to you? Yeah. Well, I definitely like in the last couple, like in the last year or so, I've definitely like started to veer away from, positivity just like solely body positivity because i'm like like i like we were just talking about it's not always positive all the time you know and i thought that in the initial conversations though well intended of body positivity didn't give us the space or room to have those potato moments and them still being valid or part of the process you know so i really started to like veer away from that of like well i don't always feel positive towards my body so is that but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a negative thing. It's just part of the process, you know? So then I started calling it more like body process. Um, and then like ultimately where I'm at now is body embracing. Um, I just want to be in a body embracing space that no matter what place I'm feeling or not feeling my body, that there's still this embrace that happens. And when you embrace something, you can embrace a messy child. You can embrace a broken pot. You can, we don't always embrace perfect or fully positive things. We embrace some really messy um, and yet beautiful things in life. And so that's why I adopted more the body embracing journey and then also just like reading a lot on the origins of body positivity and and the conversations of people of color within that space as well and just really just uprooting all of that for me so um i now follow like a body positivity in color page um just specifically or um one of my favorite authors sony renee taylor she talks about radical self-love um and i love that too because like love again just like embracing it's not always this beautiful clean process it is messy it's uncomfortable um it can be disorienting but this conversation of radical self-love i think just adds such a beautiful conversation to the embracing journey and having it less about positivity or about shaping you know but sitting in that Mm -hmm. middle space yeah I love that. And with self-love, like I think that when you think of love, love is sometimes messy and it's hard and it's like frustrating mm-hmm. and it's not always like perfect. And that's like how it is with our bodies too. And yeah. that's why I think I love that. I think that sometimes women will be like, okay, I want to love myself. I don't even know where to start with all this body right. in like with the term positivity, you know? And again, I think they're just like, terms sometimes we love to put things into into buckets um but that love it's just like love sometimes it's just like 
wild and out of control. And yeah. I think that's a, the, the same when it comes to, as we talk about our relationship with our bodies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think like the conversation of love, it shifts and it changes, you know, just as the person shifts and changes. And so for me, it's like finding this declaration of, um, I love and accept and embrace my body for where it was, where it is and where it will be. Um, and finding that like mantra for it in every stage and space in which I find this existence of myself and of my body, I will choose because that's what love is. It's a choice, an active choice to love and embrace it. Um, no matter where it's at, Beyonce to potato, potato to Beyonce, you know, wherever the, the range is, there will be an embracing and a loving that will happen. That's yeah. so important. And especially as women, like, we, our bodies go through so many changes. Our bodies are capable of so many things. I know like right now I'm super pregnant, so I'm feeling that so much. Mm-hmm. And it's been a journey trying to figure out how to embrace my body through this pregnancy. And then you think about it like, okay, but there's so many more years ahead of us. Like this journey is just mm-hmm. getting started. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I think that's really, really beautiful. Um, yeah. You, speaking of love, you just got married this year. Congratulations. That is so exciting. Did you have your wedding planned and did you stick to your date or did you have to move things around because of COVID? Yeah, we stuck to our date and nothing else. (laughs) So we had a venue, um, we had a whole, yeah, we had a whole setup um, and we stuck to two things, my dress um, and the date. Those were the only two things that we do. I have a dress and we have a date. And so um, we ended up doing Pismo Beach um, because my family is in the Bay Area and his family is here um, in LA and we needed somewhere where people could come in the middle and leave um, that day. Um, so it was like a quick turnaround for a lot of people because it was still pretty um, like height of COVID. It was in uh, May. Um, and so we were really just like so much was up in the air. Um, my uncle ended up getting sick that same week. So then we were like, mm-hmm, do we find a park outside the hospital? Um, like we really wow. didn't know um, what it was going to look like. We had, you know, ideas. We were like, it could be this park could be somewhere else um but we know we will get married on that Saturday and what that looks like is how it looks like and so it definitely was not what we intended or what we planned for but it I don't know if we could have um planned anything more perfect like we ended up being like right on the beach um which was like a dream probably should have paid for it did it really (laughs) like like, big beaches were just reopening that weekend you know so it's just like so many different weird things we went to in and out after um and then we we john and i stayed in pismo those two nights um and then we came home and so it was it's still so weird um like to think about like um and we have a date next year but we i mean god knows what next year is going to look like so we might do like a year we're married oh we might wait five years because we don't want people in masks you know like we just don't want that moment to be remembered that way um as much as we've already had so yeah um it definitely wasn't what we expected but we knew we wanted to be married so we made that happen yeah no and it sounds so beautiful and and i'm so happy that you went through with it because i feel like yeah. Gosh, I, I, you know, so much sympathy goes out to everyone who throughout this entire year, but um, mm-hmm. getting married is such a important moment and something that you dream about. And my heart yeah. breaks for anyone who's had like these milestone moments that have been affected. 
Um, I know something for me when I got married that I really struggled with was being a plus size bride. Mm -hmm. It it was honestly one of like the hardest things I've been through. I, it really Mm -hmm. tested my self-confidence and it was so difficult for me to find a dress. Um, Can you Mm -hmm. share your experience as a plus size bride? Was it positive, negative? Did it not even cross your mind that something that is different? Yeah. Well, I, I knew it would be different. Um, and for me, I started working with anthropology like that year we John and I had started dating. So I kind of like manifested a little bit. I was like, my dress is going to be through Beholden. I, oh, I loved love Beholden for years and years and years. And I was like, I'm going to just be it and just see what happens, you know? And so I, um, Beholden sponsored, um, well, was supposed to be sponsoring our wedding, but he, wow. they gave me the dress as a return. And so I, we created like really beautiful, fun content, um, alongside them for the sponsorship. And so, um, it was really great because it was a very intentional process and one that I wanted to use as a landmark for other plus brides. I think, um, where we're at in society, at least now, um, because you've been married for a few years, right? Yeah, three years. Yeah, three years. Um, I feel like where Lots we're changed. at now, right? Yeah, there's mm-hmm. been even just within the the curve fashion space, for just sure. in general, tons have been changed within the last year, really. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wasn't so worried about not finding the dress. But again, being the aesthetic Enneagram 4, I was like, I don't want it to look like anybody else, <laughs> you know? And I yeah. want it to be me. Like, I want it to feel like me. And so when I did do my fitting though, we literally got through all the dresses and they were all okay. You know, like they're beautiful gowns, but none of it felt like me or none of them really, you know, spoke to me. This is my feeler self. And then we put on, I put on the last one and I just remember starting to like swirl in it. And I just started sobbing because I could see it. Like I could see myself walking down the aisle. I like behind me, my mom is crying too. And she's like, mm-hmm, <laughs> that's, that's the one. And then like my best friend, she's like, oh, look, they're crying. And she like looks at my stylist and she's like, oh. <laughs> and so it was like a very like intentional and like beautiful moment. And obviously when you're trying on in a store, you're not trying on your size. Right. So that, that part was like a little frustrating. And then like, even looking back on my photos, I was like, well, this was mid pandemic. We were coming fresh off of like two months of just wow. sitting and eating and snacking on fruit snacks. And so I look at myself and I'm like, obviously that's not the ideal size I want it to be for my wedding. You know, like that's not how I would love to have looked. I wouldn't have dropped a ton of weight, but I had was training, you know, and strength training. I just wanted to feel strong and I wanted to feel um, beautiful. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I didn't love my arms, but like I felt gorgeous you know like I felt stunning and then you look at some pictures and you're like yeah there's the double chin and they're there you know like ideally I'm like not my favorite moment not my favorite angle but at the same time I'm like I felt I felt so beautiful and a lot of that had less to do with my physical body and at that time and more just like the journey it took for John and I to get married Mm -hmm. um, was candidly really hard. And so for me, it was just this moment of like, we freaking made it, you know, like out of all the things that Loki tried to break this moment, that was all I really had to hold on to. And so I'm such a crier too. And I didn't cry once, you know, during our wedding because of 
I cried a lot more during that year, just in the different things that we experienced. And so getting to that moment was like, the dress is on and I'm wearing this man. Like that was really all I could focus on. Um, but the fittings and things like that ended up being really really beautiful and really fun but it was also like oh there's my arms you know there's my double chin and it was like those are moments where you're like that's not what a bride is supposed to look like and so really getting into that conversation of shifting um, and getting out of those mindsets and like I refused to be like big diets or like I had a friend who was like juice fasting and she's like the tiniest human and I was like I am not going to do that to myself you know um because I just don't want to make the assumption that I look that way on that day and then what he gets after is what he gets like no this is what you get all day every day so I might as well give it to you from the beginning you know totally no you know it's funny because I felt so confident going dress shopping and getting my husband like knew what I look like right like he proposed to me as I was you know what I mean but for Mm -hmm. me my experience was very much like oh well like you're gonna lose a ton of weight before you get married or like how much weight are you planning to lose or like Mm -hmm. everyone assuming that I needed to lose weight and I would get so angry at the (laughs) at the wedding salon like person at my family at just like anyone because I'm like this is pressure is absolutely ridiculous. Like, first of all, I'm the only person who should care about how I look and my husband and I feel great, but yeah, there is definitely a lot of pressure, but I think that you just kind of have to, um, just as you said, realize that this moment is about two people and this bond together and your relationship. It's not about your hair or your dress or how you look. It's about Mm -hmm. how you feel. Um, Mm -hmm. you, are you comfortable sharing a little bit about the hardships that you guys have experienced in your relationship over the past year? Or like, I know you said it was such a journey to like actually get married. Yeah. What what were some of the challenges? It was less about us um, and, and more about just um, like, he's very different. Um, He is not what I thought or who I thought I would marry, but who I ended up falling in love with. And so um, coming from the faith-based conversation that I, I came from, it was very different um, than what my parents had wanted for me um, and uh, what my family thought they wanted for me. I'm also the oldest. Um, so I'm the first to get married and the first to um, uncleave from my family unit. And so that was really hard um, for a lot of us. Um, for a lot of people and so I had to really battle that whole like okay do I make this decision and maybe disappoint some people um or and and still choose me um or do I cleave how I usually do to um please you know other people um and my mentor she was like is is your life an um, accumulation of the decisions you would like to say yes to or all the people you don't want to disappoint um and that had to really shift for me and so I really learned in that time to trust my yes um to trust my own decisions and to trust my own voice um and I thought I was like good and strong before that like I thought I did that before that until you know some of the people who know you and have known you for the longest time start to like maybe guess or or um propose that you're not all you're not all there that you don't have all the pieces together and I had to 
um, decide like, no, this is the life I'm choosing. Um, and this is the person I'm choosing and I don't regret it. Um, but yeah, it, we're coming up on a year cause we got engaged last November. So we had like a pretty quick turnaround. Um, and so coming now to this year of just like, oh, it has been a year. Just like pandemic aside, it has been a year. Um, and and ultimately, yeah, learning to trust my voice and trust my own decisions in that space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so powerful. And I think Christina mentioned this the other day, like when, especially when it comes to love and relationships, I mean, we always, like we say, comparison is the thief of joy, but it's so hard to see sometimes these, just think that everything is like easy for everybody else and perfect for everybody else. And it's like, it's hard. And like, like you said, you had to like balance that line of choosing yes for yourself and living for yourself and not letting people down. And I think, so many women are caught in that space where we want to make our family happy or people in our life happy, but maybe our, our heart is telling us something else and like navigating that is, is so hard. And like having role models like you who have done that is so imperative to give yeah. people that confidence to also listen to their, their yes and their heart. Yeah, just like that, that constant reminder of like, you can trust yourself. Like, I, especially as women, we, we aren't given a whole lot of space or we aren't necessarily encouraged to trust ourselves, um, but we can. And and that gut responses, those get those random goosebumps that we can't explain, those are all telltales that we are just as wise, you know, as anyone else and that we are just as discerning as anyone else. And if not more sensitive, <laughs> to to the world around us and so for me it was like no I'm doing this you know and yes it contradicts everything almost uh, you know that I grew up with but at the same time this is what feels right for me this is my next best yes and I have to follow through with it I don't know what the other side will look like necessarily I just know my next step is a yes and in this direction and I have to trust that and know that that's what's next for me that is so powerful and something that like I actually thank you for saying that because I think I needed that reminder too because I am someone who asks everyone's opinions, everyone's opinions, like over and over and over again. And my mom, the other day, she was like, why are you asking? You know what you want. Like, you know what you want. Why, why, are you, yeah. why are you asking this? Why? And I, I do as confident as I am. And as much as I know what I want, it, it sometimes having that outside validation, sometimes having like someone confirm oh, your beliefs, like you put so much weight on that, but then mm-hmm. if it's not what you want, right then it's, it contradicts everything and mm-hmm. it, it, it leads into a whole other path. the decision and they're like, oh, why did you do that? And I'm like, ah, right. Right. <laughs> In the first place. But at the same time, it's like, I did that because this is why, you know, X, Y, and Z, or I did that because I, I felt like I needed to, or I did that totally. because, just because, just because, you know, like, and that being okay you know like that being enough like we don't need i i say that sometimes la is like the land of like the tinkerbells you know like we all we need the applause to live and we don't you know like can we still live without the applause and can that life still be beautiful um, and magical and for us you know and that is at the end of the day it's like I'm going to be the one at home with him all day. And then the pandemic hit. We really had no idea, you know, but like, oh my I gosh. really, I'm so thankful. 
grateful, you know, like I, I'm so, so thankful and I would not have changed that yet for anything, for anything. Yeah. Is there, um, I mean, I, I told Christina, I was like, I really want her to say a poem. (laughs) I was like, we need, so if if you have anything that maybe you feel like is on your heart or anything, I'm really putting you on the spot. So I apologize, but that you want to share with our audience, we would absolutely um well I feel like whenever the conversation of like um body and um embracing and just like overall just the wave of different conversations we've had of um I use the term magic a lot and um that magic is anything you know that makes someone feel alive that makes someone feel valuable and um yeah this is one of my favorite pieces so this is magic there's magic in your bones. There's magic in your eyes. There's magic swimming in your mind. There's magic in you. There's magic in me. There's magic in us. If only we believe. I am one third poet. I am two fourth perfectionist. I am imperfect, chaotic, frazzled, and indecisive. I can be moody and negative, self deprecating and hypocritical. I advocate for the beauty and importance of everyone else sometimes, and I sometimes forget my own. I often believe that I won't measure up, that I won't achieve any other level of success most days. Most days I feel like a fraud, like people will look behind my curtain, find a mess of a woman, and they will not love me like still. I love like still. Like ocean always coming back to shore, simply hoping to be loved and return. I am in love for the first time in my life, and it is terrifying and beautiful all at once. I am becoming slowly unwinding into who I've always been meant to be. It's like meeting a distant and yet long for piece of you that has always reminded you of home. I am home to one too many emotions, to fantasies and dreams that seem as realistic as fairy dust. I sometimes, I sometimes still believe in magic, hope that it is tucked in the wings of a butterfly or maybe in the dimples of a really chunky baby in the colors of a sunset or the way that he looks at me and they may, they may call me something like foolish, 29 years old and still believing in magic, but what? But what if the thing we're most afraid of is not that it doesn't exist, but that it's lived inside of us all this time and we called it foolish. Well, then call me foolish because I could sit swimming in my veins and every time I take a breath, magic tapped on the tip of my tongue. It is no wonder why these words are sometimes the most necessary healing I've come to know. So call us foolish because I could see it swimming in your veins. And every time you take a breath, magic tucked on the tip of your tongue so much so that your breath is a miracle and you are a miracle. There's magic in your bones. There's magic in your eyes. There's magic swimming whole in your mind. There's magic in you. There's magic in me. There's magic in us. Falling Gosh, that was... Oh, I don't know whether to cry or scream from the rooftops or what. That was so beautiful. 
so beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. You really do like touch souls with your words. I, uh, oh my gosh. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was so, so beautiful. Thank you. And honestly, all of the wisdom and all the vulnerability and everything that you shared today, we really appreciate it so much. You guys listening, you need to follow Ariel and her journey. It is just so powerful. And I feel like, you know how we talk a lot about like if people aren't making you happy or things that you're seeing on the internet, like hit that unfollow button. This is someone that you're going to want to replace on an unfollow with. I promise you. Um, so Ariel, where can everyone follow you and like, let us know um, what part of your journey you're excited for people to join you on this upcoming year. Yeah. Um, everything is Ariel Astoria. That's A R I E L E E S T O R I A. That's .com iTunes and Spotify, which you can find magic on there as well soundcloud if you want to find my underground things <laughs> twitter if you want to see my unbranded side and um, my website as well which has like all my books and my merch as well um most upcoming things i'm like two, probably two so um i am a part of a holiday campaign for lululemon which has been really cool so it's um, only four ambassadors and they basically were like here's our theme create something with it um so that video will go the teaser goes live today um and then the video goes live on the 25th and i am like i just it is my like dream project like i don't think i could have asked for a better team or a better production um it's called art of feeling um and then the poem will also go live on itunes and spotify as well um yeah and then the book um i'm i just got published um which is really exciting and so i'm working on my first published book which will be a lot about the conversation of choosing your yes um and trusting your voice um and that will hopefully be called the unfolding but the theme is about unfolding so yeah amazing holy shit i'm so excited yeah. i'm, so, I'm, I'm gonna be first in line to get that book girl yeah. Let me tell you, thank, copies, you. Please. <laughs> thank you thank you you're amazing also i have to say your merch is gonna make great christmas presents um the mugs and you have my, the fav- my favorite saying darling you are magic um so everyone i'm just shamelessly plugging you because everyone needs these get a mug get a shirt oh my gosh they're so freaking cute um but thank you so much for joining us today we just love and appreciate you so much thank you thanks for helping me make me space you're the best thank you thank you so much for tuning in today for more information on this episode check out the show notes on our website theconfidentcollective.com and find us on instagram at confident collective and if you really loved what you heard screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it in your stories and don't forget to tag us